Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated if you can. You can give somebody a high five on your way down. Say, get ready. Hallelujah. 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 Y'all are sounding great this morning. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians. We'll get there in a second. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 sounds good. We'll start there. We'll see. Hallelujah. You know, this, so I had Joe bring up this picture for me. Isn't this a great picture? This, this is one of our, this is one of our pictures from New Orleans. It's in Heather's office. This is uh, the, the cathedral, Jackson Square. I really didn't bring this out for the picture, though. You know, it's a great picture. I love the picture. I love Jackson Square. I love the area. That, of course, the cathedral's beautiful. You get to go in the cathedral and see all of the all of the artwork and the handiwork and everything. It's beautiful, but it's really not necessarily about this this picture. This isn't why I brought this out. How many of you have pictures at home that you really treasure? You know, you've got maybe family pictures that you've got up around the house. You what you put pictures in picture frames that you love, right? You you put things in picture frames that you treasure, you value. You want to hang them up on the wall for everybody to see. Their beauty. You want everybody to see the see the the picture. Maybe it's of your family members. Maybe you know we have a uh, Heather when when we got married had this uh, picture done of her. It was beautiful of in her in her uh, what do you call those things? Bridal grounds, <laughs> veil, bridal gown. The you know whatever you call those things. The big white thing, the dress. So she had that. You know, and she was looking good, you know, so she, they did the picture and everything and the Spanish moss in the background in the city park in New Orleans, and she had this nice, you know, frame and everything. We put it right in the middle of our, of our family room. It's in the, it's on the mantle of our fireplace and the family room. So every time you go in our family room, you see there's Heather in this big picture on the, on the fireplace. You put pictures out so that you can see them, right? You want, you want to capture the beauty. You want everybody to see the, the beauty that's in the frame. You know, sometimes we put things in frames that aren't beneficial, Sometimes we're, we're, we put things in, in, in picture frames that we love, but sometimes we put things in picture frames or, should we say, perspectives that aren't quite so beautiful. We, we take the picture frame and we start framing aspects of our life. We start putting things in our, in our picture frames of life that are depressing, discouraging, 
Instead of focusing on all of the beautiful and the artwork and the handiwork of God, instead of focusing in on the masterpiece of God, Ephesians 2.10, we, we begin to focus in on the, on the perspectives of, of discouragement or fear or worry or doubt. Anybody been there before? Uh, I want you to maybe take a look with me today. I know it might be a challenge, but I'd like for you to take a look at the picture frame of your life right now. And what have you put into perspective? What's in perspective for you today? What, what are you focusing in on today? What are you putting in the picture frame of your life? What are you looking at? What are you wanting everyone else to look at? What are they looking at in your life today? Are you showing off the handiwork of God? Or are you showing off the handiwork of your flesh? Are you showing off the masterpiece of God? Or are you walking around saying, look at my family and look at what the mess they are. Look at the horribleness of my family. I mean, who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? But that's what we do. Look at how messed up things are today. Don't you see, you know, everything's out of place and out of order. Or do we say, hey, I want you to look at my family. Look how beautiful they are. This is, look at what God's doing in my family. Look at the masterpiece, the handiwork of God in my family. What, what perspective today do you have of your life? Is anybody out there this morning? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, now to him. Everybody say now. Now. To him. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Exceedingly. That's That's a powerful word. Exceedingly. Abundantly. Exceedingly, abundantly. In the Greek here, these, these are compound words. It's a, double, it's a double statement. It's the same word, but used twice. And, and Paul's trying to make a statement here. It is super abundantly. Now to him who is able to do, you can't even put it into words, more than what you could ever ask or think. That's what Paul's saying. You can't even begin to describe and put into words the exceeding greatness of what God wants to do in and through your life. Does anybody believe that this morning? I guess I'm preaching the right message to the right crowd today. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Everybody say all. All. That we can ask or think. Now, some of us in this room probably have some pretty big list of things, right? If, if you were to, to take your laundry list of things that you want the Lord to do, there's probably some pretty long lists. But God is able to do, he, he, He's going to consume that list in His greatness. All of a sudden, you get lost in the greatness of God. That list doesn't matter anymore. All of a sudden, you get lost in the exceeding abundance of who He is. That list doesn't matter anymore. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? We, we come to God with our long... Please, you can leave that up on the screen. We come to, we come to God with our long list of, of everything that we want Him to do and everything that we want Him to work in and through our life. But His exceeding greatness supersedes all of that. Well, you don't know what's happening with my family. His exceeding greatness can supersede all of the, what's happening in your family. Well, my finances, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His greatness consumes all of your financial difficulties. Hello. Well, you don't know what's happening. All of who he is. He's eternal. He's limitless. His supply is unending. His presence never ceases. He is exceedingly, abundantly far greater than anything you could ask or think. Amen. 
And then Paul throws into, in, in this verse this phrase, according to what? According to what? That what? According to the power that works within us. In other words, he's saying in proportion to, in accordance with, in proportion to the power that works in us. So then that, that brings the question, how much power do you have working on the inside of you? How much of Jesus do you have on the inside of you? How much of the presence of God is operating on the inside of you? Now, this isn't an opportunity to bring out the, 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 the uh, measuring cups. And let's see, okay, we've got you know, one cup of the power of God at work. But, but at the same time, this is a great opportunity for you to take a look and say, how much of God's working on the inside of me? Or as Tamara said earlier, how yielded am I to God? How yielded? Because, you know, you and I cannot make God work on the inside of us. You know, we don't go to God and say, God, I am going to make you. I'm going to make your power work in me. No, we take the word of God that his promise is that his power is going to work in us. And we say, I yield. Lord, I, I yield to, to whatever it is that you want to do in my life. I yield to whatever it is that you want to do through my life. Amen? And so we're yielding to God. And the more that we yield, the more of his power that works in and through us. I use this uh, example all the time in my, in my personal life. You know, I, I never said to God, God, when I pray for people, I want them to fall down. You know, I never had that conversation. Lord, I, I want to preach and people laugh. Who says that? Especially the introvert. The introvert does not say, God, when I stand up and talk in front of people, I want them to laugh. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Nobody says, God, I, you know, I want to lay hands on people and they fall and roll on the floor and, and people think I've lost my mind as a preacher. I've never had that conversation. I've never had the conversation, God, I, I want other preachers to think I'm, I'm a lunatic preacher because we have people fall on the floor in our services and people get touched by the power of God and people get healed and delivered and set free and we actually live out the Bible. You know, I, I've not, that wasn't a prayer. I just said, Lord, okay, you called into ministry. Okay, yeah, great. Sounds good. I, well, that sounds awesome. I don't know what that means. Sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, God, let's go. And then all of a sudden things start happening. All I know to do is to step in and yield. It's the only thing that I've ever known, to step in and yield to the Lord. I can't make it happen. I can't give you. There is no formula to the power of God working. There is no A plus B equals C. There's, yeah, there's faith and there's yielding, but, but there's, no, there's no formula to this. It's learning to yield to God every day in every area of your life. You know, it's as simple. If, you, if your finances are, you know, I'll get, to, I'll get to my text here in a second, but I, I'm just setting the stage. I hope y'all are okay this morning. No? Okay, well, we'll wrap it up. You can all go to McDonald's and have a Big Mac. <laughs> just setting the stage. If your finances are a problem this morning, if you have financial difficulty, my first question is, are you yielding to God in, in the principle, the biblical principle of tithing? That's the first place to start to release the power of God in your finances. It's biblical. When you begin to tithe, it may be 10 cents, but you tithe that 10 cents, baby. You get that 10 cents in the ground. You put that seed in the ground and you break the curse of poverty off your life. 
When you begin to give, if it's 10 cents every week, you get your 10 cents every week in the ground and poverty begins to break off your life. The power of God begins to be released in your finances. And then let me tell you, the next thing you need to do, if you're, so you start tithing, you, I would encourage you, you get your, you, whatever it is, you get a piece of paper and stick it on your fridge. Some of you are going to think, Pastor Zach's lost his mind. Just hang with me. You get a piece of paper, stick it on your fridge, and write the name of your bank account. It can be PNC checking account or, you know, whatever it is. And every day you lay hands on that thing. I release the power of God in my bank account. That The Word of God says that when I get my seed in the ground, that my vats, my storehouses, my supply house will overflow. It won't just be halfway full. Scripture says that he will pour out such a blessing that I don't have room enough to contain it. So I lay hands on my financial resources and say, multiply in Jesus' name. The power of God flows through my resources. Amen. Amen. And some of you say, well, that's crazy. Well, let me ask you this. If you were sick, would you have somebody lay hands on you and proclaim the power of God over your body? Would you lay hands on yourself and say, self, be healed in Jesus' name? Then lay hands on your bank account. Amen. Lay hands on your, on your spouse. If you, if, you haven't, if you want to smack your spouse, don't smack them. Don't bring fivefold ministry to them. Lay hands, gentle, loving hands. Say, I bless you in Jesus' name. The power of God flows through you. We yield together. Yes. Yes. I'm just making sure I'm at Celebration Church this morning. So we're going to, we, we, we yield, we work, we, we allow the power of God to flow through us, to flow through our resources, to, to flow through. And this, this isn't just for selfish reasons. You know, we, we, don't, we don't ask the Lord to, to multiply our resources or to bless our families or, or to bless our homes for selfish reasons. Come on. Well, thank you for that amen. I appreciate that. We don't, we don't do this for selfish reasons. We, we invite the power of God to flow through us because when there is an abundance, there's overflow. Yes. When there's an abundance, there's opportunity to give what God's given to you. Yes. When there's overflow happening in your life. And listen, that overflow, you know, I can't, I can't tell you what overflow is for you. Overflow for you, your 10 cents might be your tithe and overflow is a, a dollar. Somebody walks up to you and gives you a dollar, and instead of putting that dollar into a Big Mac meal, you take it and, and you prevent yourself from getting artery disease anyway. You take that dollar and you find somebody to give it to. That's overflow. It was an unexpected dollar. Somebody just walked up to you and gave it to you, and it was a blessing. And so you don't need it to sustain your, your needs. It's extra. It's seed for sowing. You understand. I don't know why I'm even on this. This is just for a blessing for somebody today. It's seed for sowing. It's not, it's not bread for eating. It's seed for sowing. And you find somebody to sow that into. And then the next thing that you know, you're getting a, a $10 bill because you've sowed your seed. You sow that dollar and all of a sudden someone else is coming or some supernatural provision happens that $10 is taking care of you. Whoa, that, where'd that $10 come from? It's because you got your seed in the ground instead of eating it. The Bible talks about seed for sowing and there's bread for eating. You got to know which is which. It's called yielding to the power of God at work in your life with your finances. 
with your marriage. We don't ask God to, to just bless our marriages to be selfish. It's great to have a healthy marriage. But how much could you do and ministry to those who have unhealthy marriages if your marriage was healthy? Yeah. It was really hard for Lazarus to call dead people out of the tomb when he was still dead in the tomb. Yeah. But the minute he got out of that tomb, Lazarus had a new ministry. It's yeah. called raising the dead. Yeah. He'd been there, done that. He understood what it was all about. He was wrapped up in them grave clothes and somebody called him out. Jesus came and, Lazarus! And he came out of the tomb and he now had a new ministry. So we don't, we don't say for selfish reasons. Yes, we reap the benefit. We get the joy out of it. But God uses that area of our life to begin to minister to the hurting and the broken around us. Maybe you've been healed. Guess what? You have a ministry of healing waiting for you. You know, we've, we've started a, on Wednesday nights a new series, um, taking a look at the, the wells of revival. And this past Wednesday, we took a look at John Lake's life. And it's interesting because John Lake was never, you know, he didn't say God's called me in, as a healing evangelist. His family started getting healed and word started spreading about his family getting healed under another minister. They got healed under another ministry, but word spread that his family was getting healed, and people started showing up asking John Lake to lay hands on them, and all of a sudden his healing ministry's birthed. You know, we we well, that's the pastor's job. You know, I got healed, but but that's you know, the pastor laid hands on me, and God used him to bring healing in my life, so he's the one with healing me. You got healed. Guess what? You have a ministry. Well, I've never seen anybody get healed. Have you ever laid hands on anybody to see? <laughs> Have you ever tried it? Well, that didn't happen. Did you lay hands on them for two seconds or did you stay and linger with them? You know, we, we want people to just get healed instantaneously. What if God says, you need to spend some time with them? This is going to be a process. Yeah. I'm just talking about cooperating with the power of God this morning. I'm just talking about yielding to the power of God in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your home, in your ministry. Yield. Everybody say yield. Yield to the power of God. Yield. Let it increase. He wants to do exceedingly above and beyond anything that you can ask, think, imagine. He wants to, he wants to blow your mind today at what he wants to do in and through your life. Have you ever thought about that? What if, what if, what if I really yielded to God and what he said he wanted to do? I would venture to say that there are people sitting here this morning that think that what you're doing and the, the avenues of ministry, the avenues that God's using you in today, you feel that it's insignificant. We, you know, going back to this, we put into perspective, we put things in the picture frame that aren't reality. We put, we, right? we put things in the picture frame that's not reality. Or maybe they're temporary realities and not eternal realities. Well, what I'm doing is insignificant. It really doesn't mean anything. I mean, after all, I'm just teaching a Sunday school class. I mean, after all, I'm just working in children's ministry. I mean, after all, I'm just having people over to my house for a small group. After all, I'm just cutting hair at Night of Hope. After all, I'm just greeting guests as they come in through the front door at Night of Hope. It's really insignificant. And we put false realities in our picture frames. And we, I'm just making sure you're all awake, reflecting the light. <laughs> The radiance of the Father is touching you this morning. 
but is what we're viewing the reality? Is it biblical truth? Because let me tell you something. If you're allowing the power of God to flow through you, at, at the, whether it's Night of Hope or teaching your Sunday school, if you're allowing the Word of God and, and ministry, the tangible love of God to flow out of you as you, as you minister, God is using you to make an eternal impact. It's not insignificant. I'm definitely preaching the right message this morning. It's, gotten, it's getting quiet in here. You are making a significant impact for the kingdom of God as you begin to cooperate according to the power that works in you. Let me just break this down for you. You might see just the little bits and pieces, the, just the small, you know, we call it the piece of the pie. You're just seeing a small piece of the pie where you're involved with. But God is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ask or think as you allow His power to work through you. So you might just be passing an offering plate. But as you take that offering plate and say, Lord, I bless this plate to multiply. Lord, that the resources of our house will be supplied. That the resources of this church will be taken care of. And that every person who gives in today's offering is abundantly blessed. What are you doing? All of a sudden, the power that works in us is flowing through you. According to the power that works in you is happening. According to the power that works in you is happening. And God is taking that and doing exceedingly abundantly beyond, above anything you could ask or think. All you did was take the offering plate and say, I bless this. This plate's going to multiply. God's going to bless homes. And you start passing. And it becomes a point of contact. Every person that touches that thing is getting blessed. Every person that's touching that thing is having breakthrough in their life. Why? Because you just opened up your mouth and released the power of God. You yielded to the work of God on the inside of you. It's really that easy. I feel like a goober most of the time. I tell people that all the time. And when people say, oh, thank you, or you're this, that, I'm, I'm just a goober. Just label me Jesus goober. I'm not a Jesus freak. I'm just a Jesus goober. I grew up in the D.C. talk era. Sorry. You know, this, it's, you know I'm just a big goober. No, you know, all I know to do is yield and cooperate with the power and the presence of God. And it works. It works. Maybe in your ministry, you know, you feel insignificant. What you're doing is not making eternal impact. You come in, you know, maybe you're like Anita and you come in and you answer the phones at night of hope and you think, man, this is making no difference. Let me tell you something. Practically, it's making a difference. <laughs> Practically, it's making a big difference because I can't sit there. Mandy can't sit there. and Most of our leaders can't sit there and answer the phone literally all day long and answer questions about who's riding what bus, when, what time, how to get there, who that, this, the other thing. And so people on the other end of the phone are being ministered to. Yeah. And so that happy, smiling person on the office end is talking to someone, ministering to someone, just by sharing the love of God through a simple conversation about their bus ride to Night of Hope. It's significant. God takes the insignificant things and releases His power through them, and they become the exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine in our life. Is anybody getting this this morning? Think about the little boy and the fish's lunch, the fish's, the fish's lunch, the little boy and his fish in his lunch, the bread in his lunch, insignificant for 5,000 people. 
absolutely insignificant lunch. And God took the insignificant that he had and applied his power and it became a feast with 12 basketfuls left. Don't ever think that what God is doing in and through your life is insignificant anymore. Don't ever think it's insignificant anymore. You are just a vessel, but God, who is the creator of all the universe, is releasing his power in and through your life. He's the one that's applying significance. He's the one that's bringing bringing meaning and purpose. He's the one that's bringing identity in the middle of your chaos and saying, I chose you. In the middle of all of life's craziness, I chose you. And I will display my glory in and through your life. I will take you filthy, rotten, heathen, dog, sinner. I will make you into a new person. I will change you. I will change your attitude. I will change your carnal nature. And I will display my glory. Yield. And then he does the exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. So again, I'm going to ask you, what's in your picture frame? Are you trying to look at the lies that everybody else has told you and life has told you? Are you putting into perspective what God has said? Is his power in display? Do you see his power at work? I mean, let's let's just take a look. Let's just take a look today at his power at work. In Job 9.8, we see his power is at work in creation. He walks on the waves of the sea. He walks on the waves of the sea, Job 9.8. His power in creation. He spoke one word and released everything that we see in here. And it, that word, that creative word is still happening right now. He said light be, and guess what? Light is still happening because of that word that was spoken. His creative power at work in creation. Job 22.14, he walks above the heavens. I want you, I mean, just think about this. God, who's walking above the heavens. We, we, we see the heavens through telescopes. We send people into space and in spacecrafts and whatever you call those things. And, and they get up into heaven and they look back on the International Space Station. They're looking down on earth. And, and we see, you know, we see through just very narrow lens. And we think, wow, look at the majestic nature of that. But God holds it in his hands and he walks on the heavens. Talk about his power today. His power is immense and it's displayed in creation for you and I. He He's walking today on the waters over your life. He's walking today in the heavens above you. And he's sustaining you. Just as he sustains creation, he's sustaining you today. Psalms 104.3 says he walks on the wings of the wind. (laughs) I love that. Have you thought about the, the wind? Just it blows from here to there. You don't know where it comes from, where it's going. It just blows. It hits you right across the face. Ever been outside? You know, hurricane season is always fun. Right now, you know, we're going into hurricane season, and, and none of you know anything about that unless you've lived in the Gulf. But, but let me tell you something. When hurricane season happens, you know that you've got to be ready for hurricanes. You know that hurricanes are going to, it's likely, and you've got to have your plan and everything in place. But the day before the hurricane comes, it is, has anybody ever been somewhere right before a hurricane hits? It is the eeriest thing imaginable. It's kind of like the calm before a tornado. If you've been in a tornado, only it's a day long. For a day, 
at least. Everything is eerie. It's still. It's calm. There's, not, there's no breeze. There's no birds. There's no, it's calm. It's still. And then all of a sudden, the hurricane comes, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? You know, you just get absolutely annihilated. And, and that is, if you just think, out of, out of the blue, his, the wind blows. He rides on the wings of the wind. You might be in a situation where you're saying, God, you're taking a really long time to fix this situation. He rides on the wings of the wind. In one moment, that situation can turn. And one instance, one word, one opportunity in his presence changes that whole situation. So, so you might be in the, in the eerie calm before the before the storm, so to speak. You're, you might be in the eerie place of life where you're like, I don't really understand what's happening. It seems like everything is in, in, in confusion right now, and I really don't understand. Just wait, because the winds are blowing again. Just wait. The wind of His presence is blowing again, and He'll come riding in on the wings of the wind to change that situation in your life. Psalms 89, 11 through 12, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world in all its fullness. You have founded them, the north, the south, you have created them. I want you to think about this thought for a moment, God creating. You know, I'm not much of a builder. If you give me something to create, the tools and the hammer and saw, I'll look at you and say, you might want to hire somebody to do that. Because I can't really help you. I might, I might be able to put a nail in the wall and, and a screw in the wall. I might be able to get a couple things done. But I, I am not Bob Keefe who can go build a, a set of curved shelves that fit along a curved wall in our clothing room. I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not saying that I couldn't be. I'm just not at this point. And man has to, you know, Bob, when he built those shelves, had to, you know, he had to, he brought his plans, he had to get approval, he had to know how much lumber, he had to know how much paint and whatever, this, that, the other thing. And he created something out of something. But God created something out of nothing. God spoke with nothing and created. God created your life out of nothingness. If God created out of nothing, do you think he can take the situation you're facing and make something? Do you think that do you think the creator of the universe who made something out of nothing can take the minuscule of your life really and make something out of it? He's able to do abud- abundantly, exceedingly, abundantly above anything you could ask or think. Consider God's power in his preservation of your life. He saves you and he delivers you. Psalms 36, 6 says, your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are great and deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. He is sustaining you. He's upholding you today by the word of his power. Hebrews 1, 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power means to sustain in and all, with all its changes and transformations throughout the ages, maintains the development of and holds all things together in their proper relationship. In other words, God is keeping your life in order. He's upholding and sustaining you. He's keeping you in the place of His preservation. His power today is holding you up, is sustaining you. You say, well, my life is, it doesn't always look like that. It doesn't, it doesn't look... He's breathed life into your nostrils today. He's keeping your life. He has set a boundary for the extent 
of, of confusion and issues that you can face. He's, he's set a boundary for your life to the extent of sin and depravity that you will embark on. He has set boundaries for your life. You may think that you've got it all together and you may think that you've got it all in your control, but it's really God who's operating and has set the boundaries of your life, just like he's set the boundaries for the sea and said, this is as far as you can go and no more. He has set the boundaries of your life and said, this is as far as it will go and no more. And as you begin to turn to him in that situation, as you begin to look to Christ, who is, whose power is abundant, whose power is exceeding, who wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ask or think, if you'll begin to set your hope and your faith in him, all of a sudden that, that, that wave, that torrent of life's aggravations and issues will roll back and his presence will come washing in. All of a sudden, the, the aggravation and the issues will, will recede out to, to the ocean and his presence will come sweeping in over you and wash over you. Yeah, his, his providential care is at work in your life and he is sustaining you and he's caring for you. Psalm 66, 9 says, Who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved? Jesus in Luke 12 said, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like any of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today, is in the field and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? You know, we limit in our own picture frames, we limit the power of God. We, we, we don't allow the, the power of God to work in our life. We don't yield. And instead of yielding, we place in the picture frame our lack or things that we've taught, have been taught that aren't scriptural. Well, God doesn't want me to live a prosperous life. He just wants me to get by. You need to go read your Bible. God doesn't want me to be blessed. He just wants me to make it through this life. Go read your Bible. Anybody out there? Looking in his power. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Everybody say blessed us. Blessed me. He's blessed me. He's blessed you. Thank God. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Who has blessed me. In who? Who are the blessings secured by? You're saying it. Say it a little louder. Christ. The blessing of the Lord is sustained in Christ. The blessing of the Father is given to us in Christ. If God gave us his son, will he not with him freely give us all things? That's what this verse is talking about. In, in Christ, every spiritual blessing is made available to us. If he has given us his son, will he not with us, with him, freely give us all things? Everything that pertains to life, godliness, everything that pertains to to this life and his glory has been made available. 
It's whether or not we're willing to appropriate the blessing of the Lord in our life. It's willing. It's all based on whether or not you and I are willing to yield to God and His Word and appropriate that for our lives. You can have whatever the Bible tells you you can. I'm not pulling out some catchphrase, Christian catchphrase here. That's truth. There's a lot of Christian catchphrases out there these days. But that's a reality. You can have whatever the Bible tells you you can. And so if you're willing to appropriate the blessing, walk in the power of God, yield to His power in your life, everything that is available to you in Christ is available if you'll begin to walk in it. You've got to change the picture frame, though. You've got to begin to look through the eyes of faith. You've got to have the eyes of faith. You've got to see what the power of God can do in that situation. you got to put the power of God into perspective. You have to put the power of God in the picture frame and not yourself. Yeah. you got to get your own weaknesses out of the picture frame. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? you got to get your own weaknesses out of the picture frame. you got to get your own stupidity out of the picture frame and put Christ in. Put God in. God, I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to put you right on the middle of the wall in the middle of the house, and I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to, you know, some of you might need to even go home today and get a picture frame out and write God right on the middle. You know, make it artsy, do whatever you need to do. Put him, put him right in the picture frame and stick it right up on the wall. Say, I'm going to stop looking at my own insecurities, my own fears, my own issues, my own hangups. I'm going to start putting God in the picture frame. I'm going to stop talking about what I don't have and start talking about what I do have. I'm going to stop talking about the lack, and I'm going to talk about him who's providing. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. I thought so. (laughs) Consider God's power and his government. The government of all things is on the shoulders of Christ. There is absolutely nothing that's happening in this universe that God is not sustaining. You say even our corrupt politicians, and I say even our corrupt politicians. The government of all things is on his shoulders. He's ra- you think that it's all about the United States of America or Russia or whoever, name a country or a kingdom. You think it's all about them? Absolutely not. God is wrapping up his end time plan, and you and I are watching it unfold right before our very eyes. It has nothing, has absolutely nothing to do with those individuals. It has everything to do with you and I being married in this, in this bridal procession with Christ. There's a trumpet call coming one day, and I don't know about you, but gravity's going to let loose on me, and I'm going soaring. <laughs> I'm going to fly. This boy who's afraid of heights is going flying. Little wigs at all. I'm going flying. (laughs) Soaring. I have a reservation at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I, even better than that, I have a white horse stallion with my name on it. And I'm going to kick every devil in their teeth. I'm going to sit by, I'm going to watch. Jesus is going to speak and the sword's going to come out of his mouth. Fire's going to consume it. I'm going to ride by and just kick him as I go. See, I told you so. My daddy beat you up. We got this covered. <laughs> He's ruling all things. First Peter 3.22 Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him? He rules over the devil. 
<laughs> we, we let the devil rule over us, but God rules over him. We, we listen more to the devil than we do God sometimes. Put him in his place. He's the accuser of the brethren. You is a liar. I don't have to listen to lies. My father is the author of truth. And so I'm listening to the one who's writing, who has written, who has spoken, who is speaking truth. Truth sustains me. Truth is the, is the word that guides my steps, not lies. Lies don't guard, guide my steps. Lies don't tell me what's available. Lies, lies tell me what's not available. How do you know whether you're listening to the truth or lie? Does it tell you everything that you're missing, broken, disgusted, busted? Don't have, don't do, don't do, can't do, fear, insecurity, lies. This is why, just give you a quick synopsis. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why here, but, but let's just sum it up. The devil doesn't want you enjoying God. Yes. Plain and simple. Because when you begin to enjoy God to the fullest, you begin to display the glory of God at the fullest capacity you possibly can. That's why you were created. That's why you're here. The devil doesn't want you fulfilling your purpose. He doesn't want you fulfilling your purpose. Your purpose is to display the glory of God. In whatever arena, environment, expertise that may be, but it is to display God's glory and to enjoy Him. And so if that is your purpose, the enemy wants to pull you out of that purpose. He wants, you to, he wants to keep you from obtaining that. And so he's going to tell you everything you can't do and the reason why you won't. And the whole purpose of that is he wants to call into question the Word of God in your life. He wants to call into question the authority of God in your life. When God said, you can, you will, all things are possible to him who believes. The devil wants to tell you you can't. It won't. It's not going to happen. Why? Because he wants to question the authority of God in your life that says all things are possible to him who believes. Now, we understand that all things are possible according to Scripture. It's not our, our wildest dreams and the whims of whatever you know, revelry idea that we have pop into our head that we just want to go do and be rebellious. That's not all things are possible. That's living under the curse of sin. But when you're living according to the Word of God and you begin to see through Scripture's eyes what is possible... Matthew 10, 7, and 8, freely you have received, freely give, cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Hang on a second. Do you mean that I can go lay hands? It is possible to lay hands on someone who is leprous and see them healed? That's what the Bible says. Do you mean I can, I can preach the word of God and see signs and wonders and people born again and set free and delivered? That's what the Bible says. Does that mean that I can, I can see the miracles of, of the book of Acts happen in my life? I can see the provision of God happen in my life like it did in the book of Acts? That's what the Bible says. According to the power that is at work within you, are you yielding? Are you yielding? He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can ask or think. I love this. He rules over the church. His power is over the church. Ephesians 1.22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church. 
Jesus has power to rule over his church. And let me just say, Jesus rules over Celebration Church. He does. <laughs> I'm amazed continually at how little control I really have. <laughs> it amazes me every week how little control I really do have. God rules over this church. He's got every, and not just this church, over his church. Think international. Think past, present, future. He rules over his church. That means when you don't like the color of the carpet or this, that, or the other thing, who are you yielding to? The father, your father, the devil, who wants to get you putting lies in the picture frame? I'm not saying nobody here ever argues about the color of the carpet or the color of the pews. I think we've all gotten used to that by now. By the way, the, the purple's coming back into style. The eggplant's royalty is coming back. You just wait long enough, it all cycles through anyway. You don't have to change it out every couple years. You just leave it. Eventually, you'll catch up with time. Not to say anybody does that. But, you know, we all, we all have, right? There's people who you give them the opportunity. They'll gossip about you. They'll tell you, of course, it's, it's, it's church. It's people. They do it at, at your work. They do it in church. They do it everywhere. It's the nature. It's carnal nature. Do I take my time and focus it on who's saying what about me? Good Lord, if I focused all my time and energy on who said what about me, I'd have a nervous breakdown every day. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I have enough people who don't like me. How do I know? They've told me. I've gotten the death threats, I've had the letters, you name it. I know there are people who don't like me, but that's okay. They aren't in the picture frame. They're not in the picture frame. Sometimes I have to break the picture frames, but they're not in the picture frame. I'm not talking about hurting people. I'm talking about I gotta get rid of the I gotta get rid of the picture frames. Sometimes I do create the picture frame and I gotta throw it out and take it to the flea market and, and get a different picture frame. Because, you know, there's always somebody who'll buy your fleas. There's always somebody who'll go and... There's always somebody. You know, give them the chance. Somebody will want the gossip hanging up on their wall. Hey, I think I like that gossiper. I'll put them up on my wall. Let's talk about the gossip. Let's talk about the issue, you know. There's always somebody. But I don't want that picture frame. I want the picture frame that talks about his power. I want the picture frame that talks about his abundance and his goodness at work in my life. <laughs> We're going to sell some fleas today if you need to get rid of it. If, you, if anybody has any picture frames that they need to get rid of, <laughs> you can bring it. We'll sell them at Celebration Church, the best flea market in town. We'll get rid of, we'll get rid of them. Some of you will figure that out later. We'll, just, we'll get rid of them. Don't bring your fleas to church, please. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about there. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put back up Ephesians 3? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him. By the way, that's not a J in the hymn. That's a, that's a, there we go. Now to him. 
Now to him. Somebody's listening to the podcast thinking, Jay and the hymn, what are they talking about? <laughs> it's not a song. It's just the words on the screen. Now to him who is able. <laughs> now, to, now to him. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Lay hands on yourself and just speak this. Now to him, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in me. <laughs> yeah, now to him. <laughs> Before we wrap up today, I, I just I want to take this verse. I, I, just, I want to go just a little deeper. Can I do that? Is it, is it okay if I just take a couple more minutes? I just want to go a little deeper. It says, now to him who is able. Now, now is, now is reflective. Now, now considering these things. So it's, it's a reflective statement. He's saying, let's look back. Now that we've talked about all of this. Well, what are you talking about, Paul? You know, what are you talking about? Now, now to him. Because we, you know, we take verses out of context when we preach, you know, or, or we read. We take them out, we extrapolate on a verse. So let me put it back in and kind of give you the big picture of what he's saying. He's saying, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So, God bless you. So what he's telling you is considering all of this, considering all of what? That he wants you to be strengthened in your inner man by his spirit, according to his riches, why? So that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ would dwell in you and you'll be able to comprehend the greatness of the love of God. Well, okay, so let's look at verse 14 because now there's another one of these connective phrases for this reason. What's your reasoning, Paul? What you talking about? So it goes back even further. So if we just keep going, so we know that we are to be strengthened in our inner man full rooted, grounded in the love of God. We just keep jumping back here. We can jump back. I'll, I won't take the time uh, to go through all of it, but we can jump all the way back to Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. So what is it all about? What is Ephesians 3.20 all about? This power that's at work within us. You are the habitation of God. Yeah. You are no longer a stranger, an alien, an outsider. You're an outsider to this world. You're an alien. You're a pilgrim in this world. But in the kingdom of God, you're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter who's become the dwelling place of God himself. Woo! <laughs> That's exciting. I'm no longer under the rule of my old way of living, I have been brought in as a son, as a daughter, and the power of God is at work on the inside of me. Yeah. 
The Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is speaking, is working in me, telling me, Hey buddy, you are a child of God. You say, well, that's about only the power, that's about the limit of the power I have working in me. That's a lot. When you start hearing you're a child of God and you start yielding to the power of God that you're his child, you stop living like you're an orphan. Lord, this is a whole nother message. I, I don't have time for this. <laughs> this is a whole nother message. When you start realizing, when you start yielding to the power of God at work in you that says, I'm a son or daughter, you no live, longer live like an orphan, an outcast. Maybe he loves me, maybe he don't. Maybe, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, I, look at me, I'm just not... It has absolutely nothing to do with you. You've been adopted not based on your merit. You've been adopted based on Christ's love. His grace, His mercy, His justification has nothing to do with your qualifications. Has everything to do with Him. He chose you. You've been adopted just because of who He is. Period. So... Man, if we just begin to live with that amount of power at work within us, it would change how we live. It would change how we communicate with others. It would change how we would interact with our church. It would change how we interact in our communities. No longer would we see church as a Sunday checkbox, but we'd begin to see, I'm a son or daughter everywhere I go, not just at Celebration Church on Sundays or Wednesdays. I'm a son or daughter every place I go. When I put my foot down on a place, son or daughter of Jesus has just stepped into the room. has nothing to do with, it's not egotistical, has nothing to do with you. It's just recognizing who's living on the inside of you. Jesus has just walked into the room, not because of who I am, but because of who is on the inside of me. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, pastor, you know, if that were true, I would see signs and wonders and things would happen. You got to stop living like the devil. If you want to see signs and wonders, if you want to see the fruit of being the Spirit-filled temple, then you've got to live like the Spirit-filled temple that you are. Stop walking according to the old nature. Walk according to the Spirit of God. Yield, yield, yield to the power of God at work on the inside of you. And you'll start seeing the things of the power of God, the abundantly, the exceedingly at work on the inside of you. Does this make sense? I feel like people are getting liberated today. I feel like the, chi- the, pictures, the pictures changed today. It hasn't changed in this picture frame. That would be cool though. <laughs> but the picture has changed in your life today. I should have thought about that. We should have had a digital picture frame up there and just changed it before and after. Today's going to be a before and after day. We should have took, we should have taken a before and after shot of you today. You're gonna, you came in one way, you're going out the other. You came in one way, you're going out the different. I feel this. I'm telling you, I feel this. I feel uh, there's the faith. Uh, you know, somebody this morning, you you've been looking. I don't know who you is. Jesus has got your number. 
but you've been looking you've been looking at the wrong picture frame and this morning you just had a big revelation you think that that situation in your in, in your immediate family is broken you've been looking at the wrong picture frame Jesus just put into perspective for you today his power what would his power look like that's where dreams come in. I mean, that's where Joseph comes in and dreamed another dream. That's where Joseph comes in dreaming another dream. Well, I was dreaming a dream, and what I was dreaming sure doesn't look like the reality I'm living. It's time to live a dream another dream. Doesn't mean that the former dream is gone. Doesn't mean what God spoke previously is gone. But maybe he wants to develop the dream a little bit. Maybe you've come to a point in your life where he's saying it's time for something a little deeper. Yeah. He's changing your picture frames today. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.